You're listening to The Inside Scoop with Novell. Welcome to The Inside Scoop with Novell. I'm Dr. Rita Simmons, retired Navy captain, medical researcher, and Novell founder and senior consultant. This new podcast series is actually a follow-on to podcast series number two titled How to Write Winning Government Proposals. That series was a very large success and we decided to do a follow-on. Some of the things that were most successful in that series is where we discussed key elements to building successful proposals. We talked about capture and how to really gain useful information and how to develop a great proposal strategy. And we finished up with the review process and how to use the steps in proposal creation effectively uh, to make sure that you really are building what you want to build and that you're increasing your chances of winning. We took that information and decided we should do a follow-on. And so uh, when we looked at the next steps in the proposal process, uh, we said once you have your proposal, you need to submit. And that's really where we want to start with this series is submission. So uh, the title of this new series is Post-Submission Strategies to Improve Success. So this series will focus our attention on what companies and teams should do after the proposal has been submitted and how some dedicated post-writing work could reap significant rewards in future efforts. So in our first episode, we're going to try to answer the very first question that we think every company should ask and that is, our proposal's been submitted, now what? I would say the majority of companies with which we work basically upload their proposal volumes and then they move on either to the next proposal or to other job tasking. And many people would say, well, what's wrong with that? The proposal's been submitted and at this point, nothing can be changed, there's really not a lot we can do about it. Well, that's technically true, I would say that companies that write proposals as a primary means of generating business, they're leaving opportunity and potential wins on the table by taking that attitude. Proposal writing teams should continually be seeking ways to improve their company's win chances and gain a competitive advantage. And I don't think there's anywhere more true than the world of government contracting. The margins in some market segments are just incredibly small and competitors who are also seeking any win advantage are plentiful. So the competition is really fierce, I know in the government market and certainly in other industries as well. So I'd like to discuss four key post-submission activities that you and your team can accomplish to improve your processes and hopefully your bid win percentages. So what we're going to talk about are post-submission checklists some lessons learned, process improvement, and then you want to prepare for the win. So those are the four categories we're talking about today. So the first, creating a post-submission checklist. If you don't already have one, every team should develop a post-submission checklist to be able to review what you've done and what types of things that you need to do and to help you stay organized. So this list should include all review actions that your team will take after submission. So you can gather key information from the proposal development processes. 
um, things like what went right, what didn't, what could we do better, what process improvement can we make for future proposals. So the key to getting better at any activity is to review how you're performing and asking what changes you need to make to get to the goal. Um, athletes do this regularly to try to be the number one in their game. And it, again, it's really not a whole lot different for your proposal team, at least it shouldn't be. A process guided by a checklist or SOP will lead to consistency in evaluating your team, the process, and it will lead to improvement and ensure standardization. So the first item on the checklist, uh, I believe, should be to clean up and then do some capture from this last proposal. Companies often work from a proposal template, or at least sections of the proposal may be derived from a template. So this is the perfect time to capture all the whys for any new ideas that were incorporated into the template or other changes and edits made to that particular proposal template. Items like a change in rationale for the layout, maybe you change the overall structure or order of categories as they came, not necessarily just dictated by the RFP, but maybe you felt that um, some things were more important, you were missing the mark uh, in prior proposals, and you actually did change uh, the structure uh, or an approach area that you're taking. So if you're writing to an accounting section, for example, and how you're going to, to bill and process charges, uh, maybe there were important details being left out and you decided to change the approach for that particular section. Really, this is the perfect time to capture all these uh, whys, how did this come about, and being able to solidify that as part of the new template. Uh, the other thing you should do is take the time to delete early draft versions that are in the file that are no longer needed. You probably only need to save one or two very late drafts uh, in case someone needs to refer back to an unedited version of a particular section. Uh, if you retain multiple drafts, what I find happens, uh, it really creates unnecessary confusion. Sometimes labeling is not clear. And so the, I think the best thing to do is really look at some of the later drafts and keep those back for reference. Uh, you also want to create a naming convention or a nomenclature in a file system. I don't think there's anything more frustrating than not being able to find the files that you need or know which version you're selecting. The lack of a system, it wastes significant time and really potentially money, which is uh, certainly on the front of many companies' minds. Also, if someone leaves the company, you don't want them taking that institutional knowledge with them. If you find yourself always needing to call a particular person to figure out the latest version or where files reside, then you don't really have a system that works at, at all. So make sure that you have that uh, nomenclature and file system and that everybody understands what that looks like. And lastly, I would make a habit of archiving. This creates a safe and convenient place for previous documents, supporting documents and those things that really need to be kept with that particular proposal. I think many people acknowledge the need to archive, but they just don't follow through. So taking a few minutes for this last step I think will really pay off in the long run should you need to go back and pull those documents uh, for reference in future proposals. So second, let's talk about capturing lessons learned. 
During my early years in the Navy, I was a pilot, and I can't tell you how much time we spent analyzing flights, missions, and processes to make sure we understood which procedures worked and which ones didn't. Then we fed this information back into our standard operating procedures to help us to eliminate error. A mistake in procedures by a pilot during a mission may cost lives, may cost the mission and the mission objectives. Now, when talking about proposals, something overlooked or missed in a process not working in proposal development, it may not cost a life, but it can cost your company millions of dollars in lost contracts, time and effort. And I can tell you from experience, taking the time to thoroughly understand lessons learned from a process is critical to honing your skill and becoming the best at your craft. And so it should be no different when we're talking about proposal development and trying to get the best from your team. So I think one of the first things that to do when you're looking at lesson learned would be collecting feedback, right, from the team. And I would use some kind of survey tool. It could be Google Forms, it could be SurveyMonkey, whatever um, your company may have, or uh, if there's a system that you would like to try and institute at your company, go out and see what, um, manner of communication would work best for your team. Then encourage honest feedback and really emphasize that no part of the process is too small. You want to be able to get your process down uh, as smooth and efficient as possible. Second, once you get that information, you want to hold a debrief and present the results. It's really important to come back to the team once they've given you that information to let them understand what did the team think, what went right, what went wrong, and, um, and looking at those portions that the team felt just weren't working, what were those? And you also want to present the full results of, of the survey. But one thing I, I would emphasize is to ensure the discussion doesn't turn into a finger-pointing session. So whoever's going to be leading and facilitating this uh, debrief and presenting the results, really you want to frame any issues from a system's point of view. So was there something wrong with the proposal process? Was it communication? Was it uh, a failure of technology, let's say? Did you have an incorrect number of personnel, maybe some incorrect skill sets? What you don't want to happen is identifying people who may or may not have provided the information needed. So be sure you keep that to a systems point of view. And also ensure that all weak points in the process are identified and they're very clearly captured. This way you can move into the third step, which is process improvement. So the post-submission debrief, the feedback and debrief that you received in the two steps from above, will inform your process improvement. Now the strategy for this, really pretty simple. It needs to be a formal method for identifying the issues and then laying out a written plan to correct them. And that's probably the part where people um, fail to close the loop. Now if your company uses a standardized process improvement system that works and it's inculcated throughout the company, uh, something like uh, Six Sigma, Kaizen, a PDCA, which is Plan, Do, Act, Check, or BPR, Business Process Reengineering, 
uh, gap analysis process mapping. Uh, that one happens to be one of my favorites. You can then adapt that system to work for this type of project. If your company doesn't have a formal system, then you can use one of the more straightforward processes, which I think process mapping is, is very straightforward, and then use some key factors from that system to make sure your process improvement plan is formalized, it's implementable and measurable. So I would suggest making sure that whatever your plan is, it contains six key factors. The first one is clearly identifying and stating the issues. If you capture vague ideas of what the issue was, it's really not gonna help you develop any kind of real solution. So for example, if someone says, we didn't include all the wind themes in our proposal, that's a great start. Obviously they're in there, they're looking uh, to see how the proposal was developed, but you really need to know the detail. So which ones were left out? Uh, were they included in some sections, but not all sections? You really need to get down to the bottom line uh, issues and what that means. So the comment or statement is really too broad and you need to really get them to expound on it and zero in on the issue. And you need to know the extent of the issue and how far out it goes. So the process facilitator should continue to pull information until the issue is clear and succinct. Then that will allow you to move to the next key, which is to delineate a desired outcome. So you've appropriately described the problem, then you need to state what you want to target as the outcome from the process improvement for that particular issue. So if we use our same example, you identified that there were four wind themes, but only two were used consistently through all the sec uh, sections of the document that were intended. Obviously, in this case, the desired outcome is to have all four wind themes integrated throughout the entire document as appropriate. So you wanna write out exactly what you want the end result to be for the change that you're going to make. Now, your company may have guidelines for certain aspects of proposal de development, so you can rely on the guidance as a framework and then create some specific language for how that, what that outcome would look like. So if you have, for example, writer's templates and that, that guidance should be included, but maybe there's um, some incomplete sections or information on the writer's templates, to get to that end result, you're gonna start laying out that process for um, identifying how your company has structured the guidance to then make sure that when themes are getting included. But again, the specific outcome, look to the end first, and then we're gonna come back and look at the process. The third idea is you're looking for the solution. I started to allude to that uh, as you're looking to guide your team to get to whatever that specific outcome is that you want, brainstorm solutions, and then make a decision. So that's your third step. The exact issue and desired income is gonna guide really what that possible solution may be. But one thing to remember, it's extremely important to have all the right people involved in developing the solution and then making that decision. I think really diversity is important some people with significant experience to know, let's say, previous things that may have worked or some things that were tried that really didn't work. 
That's important. New personnel who may bring a fresh set of eyes to a process, again, important. They can see things that people who've been doing this for a number of years just really don't see anymore. Make sure you have a well-rounded group to help bring sometimes novel solutions to the table, ideas, fresh perspective, and help you get to what hopefully is the best solution for your issue. The other thing I would consider under the solution section is to consider technology. You know, in this day, there's, a, uh, the, um, there's an app for that. Um, people have come to rely on tools to improve processes, uh, ways that they communicate, and the ways that teams can collaborate. So with this in mind, you may want to consider solutions such as a project management software to assist with identifying and assigning tasks, uh, due dates, integral subtasks, or maybe it's a newer version of SharePoint to facilitate communication and document sharing. We use uh, SharePoint and Microsoft Teams. That allows us to do things like uh, screen share. We have chat functions so we can get quick answers for people. Uh, it also gives us project management with file sharing. If your company doesn't have some t um, access to some IT solutions they may need, take a look at it, institute some of the best tools possible to then help the team members work seamlessly and efficiently. Uh, number four is identifying metrics. How do you know if your solution or solutions are working except to measure the outcome? So I would recommend the, to develop quantifiable metrics that enables progress checks and it will also let everyone understand if the process changes have resulted in the desired outcome that you'd like to have. And this will aid in answering the basic question. Were we successful correcting the issue? The next thing you want to do is test the process. So before you begin your next proposal, make sure the new process is widely disseminated. If it requires training, make sure that's conducted before you actually launch. And then make sure everybody's on the same page with how this is going to be instituted within the proposal development process. Then put your capture manager or your BD manager, whoever's kind of overarchingly in charge of the proposal, along with your proposal manager in charge of the proposal and kind of having an eye out for the new process and put it to the test. The last thing you want to do is monitor and optimize. So there are several ways to monitor. You can conduct another survey or you can check the outcome in the final proposal to determine whether um, the errors or the issues were caught and um, overcome in the final proposal. Regardless of how you choose to assess the new process, it's important that it's reviewed. If the solution came close to hitting your desired outcome, but not quite, make necessary changes, hopefully only tweaks and fine tuning, and then you can kind of complete that circle again. So this, the two step part of this key is important. Monitor and then optimize. You're gonna, once you opt optimize your process, implement it, train it if required, 
and then use it in the next proposal. I think this iterative fine-tuning process once your, your team becomes one of the best in the industry. And I think that's really what um, all the proposal managers and companies would like to have happen. So the last topic I'd like to talk about today is preparing for the win. Now, some people say, why spend my time preparing for something that may never really happen? I don't have that kind of time. Well, my philosophy is if you conducted capture, you planned the proposal, and you spent the time and resources to bid on an RFP, then always assume you're going to win. So this means putting elements of your proposal in place in advance, just as many of those items as you can that are reasonable. You can do things like drafting PDs or job descriptions if that's going to be required as part of a win. Ensure you have any tools, software, or other promised devices in-house and that they're ready to launch. You can plan the new contract launch itself. Many contracts give a list of what must be accomplished within 30 days of award, for example. Set yourself up for success by preparing for those items. That might include logistics or supply chain uh, processes being set up in advance or changed, updating your onboarding process or maybe security preparation. Or in this time of COVID, it could be something like medical uh, procedure screening or remote work. Whatever those things may be that you could put in place to be ready, I would recommend you do so. Also have a thorough checklist developed based on your approach and your contract management plan. You won't be executing any of these items, but if your company has promised some sort of new procedures, products, or services, everyone involved should be prepared to engage and deliver as soon as the award is announced. So a checklist prepares all the process owners for what may come in the very near future, and it's a great place to start to ensure your company is ready as soon as the award is announced. Well, this may sound like a lot of time and energy invested in process improvement and systems checks, but I can tell you from experience and from extensive reading that the most successful companies in your industry implement a framework that makes process improvement a conscious part of the company's identity. This is how these companies evolve to stay ahead of competitors they deliver superior proposals and products, and their win percentage typically is extremely high. So if you want to be the company that everybody is talking about and chasing, then I would recommend reviewing your process improvement culture and ensure it's a dedicated part of your company's DNA. Well, if you found this material helpful, please subscribe to future episodes and check out our website and social media for more information at Nobel Online. Join us for the second episode in our series titled, Our Proposal Was Not Selected, Now What? As we talk about how to turn a loss into future wins. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy.